Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss If I bleed tonight If I am sad tonight I don't have a job to find And if I work tonight I'm so tired tonight I'll fall asleep when I'm home When I'm Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here on Patreon a day early or on the main feed of wherever you get your podcast these days. My name is Kenny McIntosh. I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, uh, you know, happy Friday. You know, for some people it's fish Friday, they have fish and chips. For some people they have a pint down the pub. And maybe for some other people they just listen to us on Patreon. Yes, and we're very grateful to everyone who listens to us on Patreon or wherever you listen to us. Certainly those people who listen to us a day early, particularly yeah. grateful to them. Yeah, absolutely. How are you? you yeah, I'm doing all right. You had my flu jab this morning. You know, there was a little bit of blood, you know, but I'm here. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know, people know I'm made of stern stuff, Kenny. I can, yeah. I can take it. I'm not a big fan of needles, I've got to say. I am a total coward. When it comes mm. to needles, if I'm honest, but I think I got everyone, through. I think everyone's a bit like I don't, I don't think Andy likes them. I think they're. I remember I used to hate them in school, but then for whatever reason, I think when you're younger, sometimes it like it, it took me a little while to realize. Well, just look away, and it's yeah. way you know because when you look, that is it's the problem. Um, Indeed. You, did you get the BCG jag? Was that around? You got the BCG, right? The one on your shoulder that they gave you in school. Oh, was that the um? What was that for? I don't Tet- not not te- not tetanus was. Uh, what was it for? Not typhoid. Um, What's the other one? What was the one you had at school when tuberculosis? TB. That was the one. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, what happened was my mother had tuberculosis when she was a late when she was in the late teens, 
and she was in hospital for months. She was born right. in 1940, so this would have been like late 50s. And uh-huh. if you got TB back in the 50s, that was a serious, serious you know, illness to have. And she was in hospital for a very long time. So um, I had my TB jab as soon as I was born. So because you used to have, was it like the six needles thing in your wrist? You know, um, whether or not you actually needed the TB jab. And um, because I didn't need it when I was like 12 or whatever, because I'd had it as a, as a baby. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because because the because um, when, when when I got it in school, I remember that the BCG was the one jag that you ever got. Where like you know, like you get a jag, it's like you know, one it it goes in, it's one, two, three, and it's back out, and that's kind of it. It's just kind of yeah. quick. But the BCG is like a ten second thing, so that's the one where it's like it it nips you, and you have to kind of you know, deal with it. But once that one's over, all all jags that you get should be... Anyway, I'll, I'll stop talking about jags. But anyway, you did no, well. Right, that's the one that would leave a big scar on the arm, wasn't it? Yes. People would, when they were a big scar and like, and it would be like pretty nasty looking. So you are right about that. Inside the jabs. And that's <laughs> spin <spin-off> off <laughs> podcast. Anyway, listen, um, I'm sitting here talking about, you know, jags. Um, but I mean, I thought I was... I've never sniffed glue, Finn. But I've never sniffed glue, I've got to say. I don't even know okay. about it. But I, f- I felt like watching this week's Dynamite that I had sniffed glue. <laughs> I felt like whatever that... Is, I've never taken mushrooms or any psychedelics, but I feel yeah. like if you do, this is the outcome of, yes. of what happens. Quite so, possible. Let, yeah. let, let, let's break down some of the big things. So first of all, there's no MGF, and it's two and a half weeks to the pay-per-view. Yeah. You're like, why not? A big thing happened last week. I mean, no doubt he'll be... He will return next week. Oh, he's selling. But it wasn't like, I mean, he had like a week to recover. It wasn't like, you know, he got run over by a JCB or something, was it? You know what I mean? <laughs> he could have returned after a week. Surely the beating wasn't that ferocious that he needed to sell it for two weeks, surely. No. And, and it's like time is of the essence. You know, we've got this pay-per-view coming up. And yeah. and it's, you know, I mean, with some pay-per-views, it's like, it's not like this is a, Rock and Cena situation where it's been built up for a year. They've done loads of stuff, so you can kind of you can have a week off. This and, is like and besides with MJF, we've got all this character development now. We don't really know what's going with him. We could do some more explanation from him as to where he stands and who he is now and what we can expect from him. Mm-hmm. We need some more flesh on the bones. We do, uh, but we're we're not we're not getting it right now. Um, but yeah, so I mean that that was very strange that he wasn't on the show, which is is one thing. But then on top of that, like I mean, I don't know, I don't even know where to start. But let's start with the so the first match happens and it's Darby Allen against Jay Lethal, right? Yeah, Jay Lethal, who is you know an insomnia magnet, you an anti-insomnia magnet, I would say. Sorry, <laughs> just as soon as he comes out, it's like I mean, it's just it's just instant boredom, isn't it? Instant. <laughs> you always have that second of like, oh, I remember how good the Macho Man was when his song starts. Yeah. And then it moves on and then it's just... Ha- so they have this match and it's it's fine. It's, it's serviceable. Uh, and then at the end, Darby Allen is getting beat up and then... By a, st- by a sting impersonator at ringside, right? Yeah, a sting impersonator at ringside who takes off his mask and it's Cole Carter... And you crowd... could have heard a pin drop. Now, apparently, the reason that Cole Carter... And he's in the factory. Um, he's in the factory. 
but I mean, maybe he's now in Jay Lethal's crew or whatever. But apparently, now I don't know if this was deliberate, but I assume this is the reason that he was called two dimes before. That's and right. We, he was one of Tony D'Angelo's guys. Yeah, and isn't but isn't the gag about Jeff Jarrett that he couldn't draw two dimes? Uh, th- <laughs> I mean, was it was it was it a Mike Graham line or something that he never drew a dime? Was it <laughs> Mike Graham who said that? Someone think, yeah. did. It was Someone yes. But I mean, so I mean, I don't know if Cole Carter was specifically brought out for that little Easter egg that no, I mean, nobody knew who he was. Never mind the Easter egg of what his nickname was when he was in NXT. Um, so he comes out, but then. Sting's music hits. You think, okay, this is Sting. Because also, Sting's gone, and we don't really have an explanation apart from Darby Allen saying in the vignette they played last week or on Rampage. They played it recently, but he said he wants to make it on his own. And so Sting's just not around, even though him and Sting were a great act together and they were very over and people loved them. So Sting's music hits, and we think we're getting Sting. But while Darby Allen and everybody's looking to the entranceway where the music's playing and all that, from behind Darby Allen is the outlaw Jeff Jarrett, dressed in his GCW gear, and he batters Darby Allen with a guitar. And, and, Jeff, busts, and busts him open. And busts and him open. Hardware is like a pool of blood collecting behind Darby's head on the mat. And now he's going to be leading this group as an invasion of AEW with people who've already been in AEW for the last however long. I mean, first of all, let's give big congratulations to him to Jeff Jarrett because <laughs> they, they used to say at the end of Civilization there'll be cockroaches and share. Yeah. I think now there'll be three things. There'll be cockroaches, share, and Jeff Jarrett. Yes. I mean, this year alone he has he was he was on SummerSlam. He was in Ric Flair's last match, and now he's on Dynamite. I mean, and he was a WWE exec for what five weeks? <laughs> it was. So, I mean, what on earth? I mean, he, he, so we should mention he is, he's he's going to be a behind the scenes player in AEW helping with events, which is fine because that's what he's done recently. But it's an odd choice that when we've got so many people on the roster and so many complaints about people not feeling. Uh, you know, seen and pushed that Jeff Jarrett's turned up. What do you make of it? Exactly. I mean, when was the last time we saw Rusev? Oh, oh I know what it was. At Seamus's wedding. <laughs> I, I'm going to look up. There. When was the last time Miro had a match on AEW TV? Was it the last pay-per-view all out? Was he in a six-man? I think he was. Yes. he was. It was him, Sting and Darby against the House of Black. That yeah. was the last time we saw him. I mean, as far as I know, he's not injured. And we haven't seen him in two months. Nope. I mean, it's, the guy's on the payroll. Why aren't they doing something with him? I mean, you know, after Ric Flair's last match, Kenny, you and I, we gushed about Jarrett's performance in that match. And it was mm-hmm. amazing. So on one hand, I'm not... I don't have really any strong objections to Jarrett having a role in AEW, although I don't think this is a really good role for him because Jay Lethal's really dull. So is Sanjay Dutt. I mean, this act is not over. I mean, they've done so many jobs that they're never going to matter. It's just, it, they're never going to get over. It doesn't matter. I mean, they could associate they could associate Jay Lethal with Roman Reigns and it wouldn't get him over. It would just... 
it would just actually bring Roman Reigns down. <laughs> so I don't really understand the association. And the Cole Carter guy, I mean, he's been around for quite a few weeks, actually, hasn't he? He's been appearing on Dark and, you know, he has been around for some time. Yes. Because AEW hired him right after WWE fired him. But yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a work in progress. I mean, he's somebody who could be a star in years to come or could be a, maybe not a star, but, you know, he could be somebody who, who could be valuable in a faction in years to come, but he's nowhere near ready for that. That's going to take more work than AEW is possibly going to put into him to get him to that point where he could be a somebody. So I don't understand this association with Jarrett. Um I mean, the fans, I thought the fans would have reacted to him more than they did because he is in great shape. He knows what to do. Um, I mean, you know, we both we both thought he was tremendous in Ric Flair's last match. He was. So I can see some value in him. And I don't just want to discount this as a flop, you know, from week one, because it could potentially Jarrett could potentially add some value to AEW. But the whole way they brought him in really wasn't very appealing. And I don't see how this is really going to work for all the reasons I've already explained, because he's involved with characters that are never going to get over. So, or, 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 you know, maybe in Cole Carter's case, could get over in years to come if all, you know, if all these things happen that aren't going to happen. You know what I mean? So it's strange, isn't it? It is very strange. To me, Jarrett was a guy who should have come in on his own, not been associated with anyone initially. And I think he's someone who could have had a program with a John Moxley or maybe a Brian Danielson or possibly even a Chris Jericho. I think they should should have brought him in higher up the card and just taken advantage of what he can still offer in the ring. And I think, you know, and the problem is, okay, you could say, well, they can do that later. But by then, he's going to have been flattened out by this association with people who aren't over. So I'm baffled, Kenny, by the whole thing. I think it's just, it feels like a missed opportunity. You know, the only way they can turn this around is if they just look at it, review the angle, review the reception to it, and just sort of say, yeah, this isn't, you know, we've we've kind of blown it here. We're not capitalizing on this guy's potential abilities and experience, et cetera, et cetera. Let's blow this off after a few weeks and do something else with Jarrah. I think for, for this is one of the very rare times where I'm going to be more down on AEW than you are. And the reason for that is, is that, and it's kind of to echo what you're saying, if you're going to bring in Jeff Jarrett, who we did gush over, because we because he held that whole thing together in yeah. July. He was, the, he was the player who was who was the star of that whole thing. And bringing him in is not a bad idea. But the idea of, like, not only are you putting him with the least over group in AEW, with Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, and Jay Lethal, but then you're adding Cole Carter, who adds, and no offence to the guy, nothing. He's already in another faction that means nothing. Now you've put him into this one. Um, it, it, none of it means anything. And then, you know, the idea of Jarrett invading, it's like, well, it could be a fun idea if he had some people with him who mattered. Or you know, could you know what would be a better th- use of Jeff Jarrett if you really wanted to bring him in and have him with people? Have like four or five AEW guys who we all talk about all the time as being misused. Yeah. And have him have like a crew of misused guys who'd be like, AEW doesn't take advantage of us. You know, we've turned down millions of dollars to be here. And Tony can't, you know, just, just you know, do a semi-shit thing. Tony can 
you know, doesn't appreciate these people. I'm here to appreciate them and I'm going to take them to the heights that Tony Khan wouldn't dare take them to or something. Yeah. And, you know, then you've got, you know, and say you have Malachi Black, you have Miro, you have a few guys and they would immediately feel bigger than what, I mean, I know Malachi Black's just returned and everything yet, but they would immediately feel like a bigger deal. And it's just another example of AEW, when I used to like AEW quite a lot, it was because they didn't have a lot of stories going on and they concentrated on seven or eight stories. And those stories kind of went as they were supposed to go. But now they have 20 stories that are so badly told that they don't feel like stories at all. They just feel like redundant rubbish that just never goes anywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jarrett came in, he said Sting had become uh, Darby Allen's weakness, so presumably Sting will return, maybe for a match with Jarrett. I mean, they both, they, they clash many times in TNA. Uh, those matches back then were a lot better than anything we're going to see from Sting and Jeff Jarrett in 2022. Jarrett said the fan base of AEW was delusional, then he brought up that the Jarrett family had been involved in wrestling since 1946, and the Jarrett family's fingerprints were all over AEW. Then he declared war on AEW, and that was about it. So, I mean, it wasn't exactly, you know, NWO levels of earth-shattering, you know, monumental, you know, business-changing event that people are going to be discussing for decades to come. It just felt really weak and thrown together. I'm amazed that Jarrett, with all the experience he obviously has in pro wrestling, you know, allowed himself to be put in a position that was this feeble. I mean, this weak. I mean, surely Jarrett must have seen all the shortcomings and the flaws in, in this idea that was proposed to him and just said, Tony, if that's the best you've got for me, I'll pass. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would have said, because he kind of blown this first impression. As I say, this could have been huge if he'd come in and attacked a big star. Um. And then, you know, that led to some big matches. And I think Jarrett could be presented as a challenger to the AEW world title. I think it would be a tremendous opponent, actually, for MJF, Kenny. If MJF really is turning face or becoming this tweener anti-hero character, Jarrett actually would be an ideal first opponent for MJF as champ because he'd know exactly what to do with him. Yeah, and, and, he, MJF, and would, MJF would have so much material on Jarrett as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, and and I mean, you know, you know, Jarrett's never going to win it. That's not what it's about. But I mean, them on the mic could be great together. Yes. Uh, but instead, Absolutely. night one, he's with Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, and Jay Lethal. And look, I I can confidently say I have not spoken to one person about AEW in the last three months who have said to me that they enjoy that faction. Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, and Jay Weevil. Nobody. Nobody. Not even the people who are diehard AEW fans on social media, they don't talk about them. They, nobody talks about them ever. Yeah, they're they just, just a filler act. And people are just, just, just wish that they weren't on the show at all. Just like put something on that's got mm -hmm. some potential because this act has none. Uh, elsewhere on the show, we did have... I mean, we, so basically we're leading to... Uh, we're going to be leading to the Elite against Death Triangle at the pay-per-view. So they, they, they will be coming back. Obviously, there was the vignette last week as well. Um, and then there's the thing this week. But on the show, Chris Jericho's mystery uh, former ROH champion opponent 
was Colt Cabana. And people are sort of seeing this as a figurative final sort of like punk is gone because now Cabana's back kind of thing. And I mean, Cabana was fairly choked up with the reaction that he got. Um, what did you think of Colt Cabana? Does Colt Cabana's appearance this week signify anything? Does it mean anything? What do you think? Um, oh, just actually to backtrack there, Kenny, do you think the elite will regain the belts from Death Triangle? 100%. They're they not coming back to do the job. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, now, regarding Cabana, I mean, people can read whatever they want into this, and they're going to, aren't they? Let's be honest, Kenny. That's just the way it is in pro wrestling. It's the way it is in pretty much everything in life. Um I mean, Cabana's a former Ring of Honor tag team champion. It's consistent with the storyline that Jericho, um, this his anti-Ring of Honor, beating the former Ring of Honor champions campaign. So, you know, he was another um, victim for Jericho. Um, yeah, I mean, Cabana, I mean, it must have been quite a night for him. I mean, what a two months he's had. I mean, he must have been through so many different emotions since the all-out you know, media scrum fiasco and the fallout from that and wondering, you know, what his future was going to be in the company. Would he, you know, ever return? And here he was, you know, nearly two months on from the All Out uh, incident back on TV uh, to put Jericho over. Um, fans chanted, welcome back. I mean, that must have been, you know, I think he was quite moved by that, Kenny. I think he was quite moved by that response and it must have been because when you've been on the roller coaster that he's been on lately you know that affirmation from the audience i mean that there is very meaningful isn't it mm -hmm. it's very touching it makes you feel like you matter and that you're welcomed by somebody mm -hmm. i mean you know feel you know, you know spare a thought for scott colton i mean the things that were said about him at that media scrum i mean that's pretty rough wasn't it i mean that was rough Mm -hmm. I mean, who listening to this would like anyone to say those things about them in a public forum? I mean, I wouldn't, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the match with Jericho, it was kind of in slow-mo and it was sluggish and it was clumsy. At one point, they did like this fireman's carry spot on the top rope and both of them fell to the floor, which was happily no one was injured from what I could work out. I mean, that was a disaster. Um I mean, just look like two guys who were years past the prime, um, just <laughs> bumbling about, basically. Uh, Jericho won with a code breaker. I mean, the match was was garbage. It was really poor. But I mean, yeah, Cabana was back on TV again, and Jericho's still a champ. Yay! <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, this was not... I mean, Cabana has been wrestling on the indie circuit. It was on the 1PW show, wasn't he, last month, Kenny? Yes, he was. So it's, you know, people are like, oh, maybe Cabana should have had a few warm-up matches before they brought him into AEW. He has been wrestling. You know, not a full schedule, but he he has been in the ring. So, um, but yeah, this was um, this was uh, not a match uh, which I imagine he would want to be remembered by, Kenny. No. <laughs> I don't think this is one he's going to... I mean, I will say this, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a CM Punk defender here, but to me, 
the person who there should be more anger towards and more uh, upset towards should be Tony Khan in this scenario because the way that Colt Cabana or Scott Colton has been treated lies fully at the, sh- at the shoulders and the feet of Tony Khan, not CM Punk, because he's the boss. He's Colt. the guy who controls everything, and he controlled nothing. And, you know, it's like Colt Cabana was kind of treated pretty disgracefully by Khan, if you think about it, because... Because, because there was a period in no, October, November 2021 where Punk and Cabana were both at, at TV together. They yeah. were on the same show. I think Punk even was on guest commentary for a match that Cabana was involved in. I think you're right. So if something happened, he should have seen it. And especially, and, and then if Punk did say, oh, I can't be around him, then and so then, so then Tony Khan basically says, oh, I'll give you a Ring of Honor contract, just stay over there. And then... Punk says all this stuff about Cabana publicly that Tony Khan doesn't even respond to, and then we and then a few weeks later Tony Khan now brings him out in this kind of surprise role once he's sure that Punk's not coming back. I mean that doesn't to me seem like he's done this great thing. It feels like he's been like, well you're the sloppy seconds, and now that the guy that I really wanted is gone because I fucked it, uh, I'll bring you back. Yeah, for a pop. I mean. I don't know how this is. I mean, for whatever reason, this is not be it's not being construed this way, and he is somehow just getting a complete pass. But if this if this was happening, and it was Vince McMahon, and I know, look, Tony Khan is nowhere near as much of a terrible human being as Vince McMahon is. We we know that, but he's the boss, and he should be taking more responsibility. And it bugs me that he's getting a free pass on this stuff. Well, I don't think he's received a free pass at all, Kenny. I mean, but more, more of a free pass than Punk for sure. Well. Possibly, he's yeah. got to he he at the end of the day the, the the person that's done all this stuff to Cabana is Tony Khan. He was the person making the decisions, not CM Punk. And if you know if, if he's if if Tony Khan had said, "Look, it's fair enough. If you don't want to speak to Colt. That's totally fine. But you're going to have to get along with him. That's just the nature of it. You're going to have to to suck it up and deal with it. That's what he should have said. But instead, he kowtowed to him, and uh, we're in the position we're in. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is with Cabana, he was a bit player, wasn't he, in the Dark Order? Yeah. So it, whether he was on the show or not wasn't really going to make a whole di- lot of difference to to the ratings or the attendance or really anything, except for Colt Cabana himself. <laughs> but I can understand why Tony Khan signed CM Punk last year, because he was a big name, he was a difference maker, and Cabana wasn't. And we know that Cabana was not pleased when Tony Khan hired CM Punk. But because of the huge disparity in their star status, Cab Cabana could do nothing about it. What was he going to do? Quit? Well, yeah, he could have done. Well, he probably probably not going to quit. Let's be honest. <laughs> so obviously he didn't quit. But you know, he was he was between a rock and a hard place there. And this is just what happens in wrestling: is that the big stars get the perks, and Cabana, Cabana was not the big star. Punk was so. Can hired Punk, and Cabana was the one who who lost out and, um, you know, he was the one who had to compromise and he was the one who was then transferred away from AEW to Ring of Honor, presumably to put distance between him and CM Punk. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know whose decision that was. I don't know who it was backstage that made that decision. Presumably it was Tony Khan. Um, and I understand why he did that. Um, but yeah, you're right. Punk's now left AEW. It's impossible to imagine that he'll return. I'm sure this buyout process 
is under negotiation right now. I'm not sure when they're going to reach an agreement on that, but I'm sure they will at some point. And here we were on Dynamite this week, Cabana returned because the coast is clear and the problem <laughs> guy is gone. But you're right. Yeah, Tony Khan ultimately as the boss, he is the one who is is the person that's um, in charge of all this and is the one who has to try and run the show you know, in a way that works for all the people, um, you know, who are under contract. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all very regrettable and everything, but what can you say? I mean, Cabana's back on TV. As I understand, it, it was just a one-off appearance. And yeah. really after that performance against Jericho and the fact that he lost to Jericho, and it wasn't really a close match. I mean, Cabana did have offense. But I don't think anyone really believed that Cabana was going to win. No. I mean, it's hard to believe there's going to be a huge clamor for him to return to AEW after that match and that performance. So, I mean, yeah, he returned. But what did he really gain from it, apart from, you know, the affirmation from the audience? I mean, that must have been nice for him. But as I said, it's hard to believe that he could really satisfied with the quality of the match. Yeah, I can't imagine that... Um... I can't. I no. I think. I think that's unfortunately that's that's kind of the limit of what he's going to get, and um and that's I, I mean, that is. I mean, I totally agree. You do need to pick. You know, the big. You need to pick who's more important, and that's fine. But I mean, to me, if I'm Tony Khan, I would I would just try and be a bit kinder to Scott Colton, um, because it just kind of does feel quite poor how he's been treated. Oh, right. I couldn't agree more. Very disrespectful, and um. I mean, to me, I don't really, I mean, I don't really know what else he, I mean, there was lots of ways he could have played it, of course. But as soon as he made the decision to bring Punk in, Cabana was on a, you know, was on a sticky wicket, wasn't he? He was somebody who was, who was, who was going to be, he wasn't going to be the priority anymore. As soon as Punk arrived in AEW, he was, and Cabana, you know, he was, just less important to AEW. So he wasn't going to be, you know, I think, you know, as soon as, as soon as Tony Khan made the decision to hire CM Punk, it was kind of inevitable that what happened was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just it. That's just, that's, you know, it's like the, you know, natural selection, isn't it? It's just like, that's the way it is. The law of the jungle in pro wrestling, that the big stars get the spoils and the smaller stars are, basically you know get nothing or a job doubt or disappear or that's just the way it works isn't it in, in pro wrestling unfortunately as um but i mean yeah we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on everything that was the, the big takeaways from the psychedelic edition of dynamite let's quickly talk crown joe before we go then let's run down the card and give predictions as to what we think is going to happen here is the card uh, we've got Alexa Bliss and Asuka defending the women's tag titles against Damage Control. Who do you think is going to win this one? Oh, uh, surely um, Alexa and Asuka will retain. I mean, I can't believe they would change the belts again so soon after they'd won them, like six days after they'd won the belts. Um, yeah. Not six days. Five five days, Kenny. Five That's days. Five days, not six days. It's a Saturday event, not a Sunday event. Come on, <laughs> Finley, get to get with it. Um, yeah, I would think that um, that Alexa and Asuka uh, are going to retain. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's got to be Alexa and Asuka given they've just won them again. Um, I maybe wouldn't have put the belts on them myself, but I think that's where that's what's going to happen. And then the men's tag team titles, undisputed tag titles, are on the line with the Usos against the Brawl and Brutes. And I feel like the Usos would retain here as well. She I won. don't think that Ridge, Holland and Butch, I don't think the appetite's there yet for them to win the belts if that ever does become no, what people want. No, and Jimmy and Jay, they need to be champions until they clash with Sammy and Kevin, probably mm-hmm. in 2023. So, uh, yeah, to me, it's inconceivable that the Twins will lose the belts at Crown Jewel. Uh, Bianca Belair defends the Raw Women's title in the last women's standing match against Bailey. Who do you have in this one? It's got to be Bailey's night. Bailey, I'm going with Bailey. If she does not win the belt from Belair this Saturday, I have no idea what they're going to do next with her. <laughs> yeah, because... I'm- this is going to be the final match of the feud, surely. Last woman standing, you know, it's got a ring of finality to it, uh, the stipulation. So, yeah, Bailey, I'm going with. What do you think? Yes, I mean, I feel, I'm going to go with Bailey because I can't really. It feels that they've just the the damage control thing's not working, and they've taken you know the belts off of Dakota and Elo Sky, so. Surely Bailey has to win this because if she doesn't, what does she do? So I think this is the last chance to win. If Bailey doesn't win this one, I'd, I'm going to struggle to see how she's going to remain relevant in this run. Exactly. And and, and say Belair retains, who will she defend against post-Crown Jewel? You could say Rhea Ripley, but I think Rhea Ripley is probably going to do something with Beth Phoenix next. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think ba- Bailey's the one. Uh, we've got the Braun Strowman and Omas match. I think as as we're actually recording this, they're doing a weigh-in on the Crown Jewel press conference. Uh, so <laughs> see see what that looks like later. But um, who do you think is going to win that one? The Battle of the Giants. Uh, I mean, I think Braun. I mean, when they brought Braun back, I said he's going to have to do something. Otherwise, interest in him is going to wane very quickly. And my God, has interest waned in Braun Strowman? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he needs he needs something big to happen. He needs a hell of a match at Crown Jewel. I don't know whether he's going to be able to have a hell of a match with Omas. That that might be impossible you know, at this <laughs> point. It may, it may be impossible for for all time to come. Um, but I mean, I think I think they need a big performance, Strowman and, and Omas at Crown Jewel, because neither really feels important. This just feels like a filler match, and it should feel special because these two are as we know monsters mm-hmm. um and they have promoted it a little bit um and you know they both appear to be invincible i know obviously i know all mass has lost in the past but it's just they do they do it does feel like you know the clash of the titans type match so yeah i mean i'm, I'm really i hope for good i have i hope for good things from this match for these two i think they need a big match but i'm going with braun Strowman to win uh yeah i think braun's gonna win i I think he's got the more upside than Omas does, so I'd imagine he wins here. Um, Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross in a steel cage. I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre here. I think that he's he needs needs a win, and uh, it's an easy escape for Karrion Cross to not have to take a pinfall. Who have you got in this one? Yeah, it's got to be Drew. I mean, but what happens to Cross after this? I mean, he's flopped as well. Lot of I flops. mean, I mean, I just. I'm not sure what he's going to do next. Are they going to turn him face? Can he get over as a face? He hasn't gotten over as a heel. We know that. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Drew is just like, he's just like, please let this be the end. I think we said this will be the final match of their series. And Drew will be like seeking, you know, an opponent with whom he can, you know, put together some wrestling goodness. Because <laughs> this Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross feud has just been, I mean, it's been one of the worst feuds of of his main event career. I can't think of anything he's done since he became a star a few years ago that, that has been worse than this. He's just got, I mean, he's just got no personality. No. He's got he's got nothing to offer. The only way that I think Cross could win this steel cage match is if they're going ahead with a Drew heel turn and they want to have it that Drew just can't get it done as a babyface. That's the only way I think Cross has got a chance. But yeah. I, don't, I don't see them pulling that trigger just yet. So I think Drew's going to get the win here. Yes, I think so as well. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. It's an interesting one. Who do you think is going to walk away with the W in this one? Well, we talked about um, this earlier in the week and the conclusion I came to was but both needed the win. So, um, <laughs> so you're think, being Switzerland. Is the... <laughs> I, would think Le- I would think Lesnar. Um, when's, is Lesnar booked for day one? I think he is, isn't it? Day one's been cancelled. Cancelled? Oh, day one's been cancelled. So um, I think the next time we see him is probably the Rumble. Rumble. So in which case Brock can take the L. He can lose this one. When was yeah, this day is Saudi one... Arabia. Nobody remembers it anyway. When was day one cancelled? Uh, last week. <clears throat> it was well, initially they'd moved they'd moved it to or there was talk they were going to move it to December twenty seventh. Yeah. And then now the December twenty seventh is a house show. So yeah, they're 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 doing away with day one as part of their having 10 premium live events next year instead of 12. Ah, okay. Well, I did look at the schedule and you got like Deadline, which is the NXT premium live event on December 10th. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure it said the next one was Raw Rumble. I think, well, it must be an incomplete list. Where's day one? I didn't investigate that one any further. So thank you for putting me straight there, Kenny. No problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Brock Lesnar, I mean, yeah, Brock Lesnar can take the loss. He can lose then. If, he, if we're not going to see him again until Raw Rumble, which... Is probably how it's going to play out. Then I imagine that yeah, it will be Lashley who wins. Um, yeah, I, I think Lashley's going to win here purely because Brock's not going to be around for a while. I think that it'll be long enough that when Brock does come back, you're not thinking about it. So I think Lashley make it the win here. Um, the OC against the Judgment Day. It's got to be the Judgment Day all day long here. Who's your pick? Um, yeah, I suppose so. Um, mind you, I mean, Styles and Anderson and Gallows, I mean, they're on the verge of, you know, ending up like carrying cross at this rate. So, I mean, I think in some ways they need the big win here. There's actually quite a lot of matches on this show that could go either way, which is, you know, unusual for WWE because mm-hmm. their premium live events, the outcomes are usually very predictable. But I think either team could win this one. So actually, I'm going with Styles, Anderson, and Gallows. I think they need to win more. Um, and then the main event is Logan Paul against Roman Reigns. One lucky punch, Finn. That could be the difference. Uh, we now know that we now know that Jake Paul's going to be there. Jake Paul actually turned up at the press conference. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah. So didn't Paul Heyman tweet a picture of Jake Paul's ticket stub? Yeah, he, he he tweeted a photo of Jake Paul's Emirates first class ticket and said, "Oh, he flies 
commercial. Yeah, that's it. Doesn't have his own private plane. I mean, what a loser. I know. Imagine just flying first class in a commercial plane. What a job. I mean, I just feel like I just feel like a total failure, Kenny. <laughs> if it's not a private jet, I'm not going. <laughs> Do you know, what? Um, I, I I think it, it shows how, like so if I if I say I had a load of money, right? Say I had loads of money. Yeah. And I was oh, let's just get a private jet, right? I would just be so mind, mindful of like, oh, I could spend this money on so much other stuff. Like I could just go first class on another on another plane. I don't need the jet. Well, exactly. Then, I mean, it's just like how much? Like, how much would that cost? Hundred hundred thousand dollars? Where you? Know, something like that. Surely, I have no idea how much it costs to charter a private plane from USA to Saudi. But it would be a lot of money, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I think you I think you'd actually probably talk about a quarter of a million for that. Really, that much for wow. for, for that because it's because it's got to be. I mean, that because you need to fly over, stay, fly back like a three day thing. Yeah, all the fuel. Yeah, was, exactly. You got your staff there and back, and then you got to put. Yeah, I mean, you're talking. To, I mean, let's face it. I mean, a first class ticket would probably be about ten grand, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, hundred thousand. It'd be well. Yeah, it'd be. Yeah, it would be a hell of a lot more than hundred thousand dollars. But if you're you ever right. See I mean, right high on a private jet, you probably won't be hearing us in a podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think anybody needs to worry. I mean, it's quite interesting that Jake Paul's gone over. I mean, isn't it? I mean, do you think he's eyeing a WWE gig as well? I mean, surely he's probably given this a try. He's probably done some working out to see if he can do the pro wrestling thing. If he really understands it and grasps it and can you know, do the things that his brother has done so successfully. So maybe he's thinking, well, long term here, it's like, right, I'm doing really well with these mix, you know, these boxing matches. But I mean, that's only going to have a you know finite shelf life next year, or the year after I might start losing. Then maybe it's the time to do that wrestling gig or maybe now the time now is the time, Kenny, to strike the deal with WWE when you're on a winning streak and you're hot. Yeah, Maybe we're I mean, going to get Jake and Logan Paul in a tag team. I mean, if they're heels, happy days. I just, if they want to be baby faces, that's when like, you're going to encounter problems. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, we know Roman Reigns. I mean, the thing is, it's Roman Reigns will win. He, he, he will win this match. He has to win this match. Because if they were to make Logan Paul WWE champion, there would be an outcry. There would be like a right, there would be open revolt. Can you imagine how long people would be squawking on Twitter <laughs> about this? You know, they'd be complaining more than the people have been banging on about. Was it eight pounds a month for the blue tick, Kenny? Is that what <laughs> it's going to start charging? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, not that I've got a blue tick, so it's only going to cost me any money. Um, but it's just like, can you imagine? You know, the 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 backlash if Logan Paul were to defeat Roman Reigns and become champ. I mean, it's it's unthinkable. You know, people would be livid about it. So it's no way it's going to happen. But I'm still sort of curious about the way this match has been promoted. Because we've, we've been told again and again that Paul's going to lose. And mm-hmm. that's very odd for WWE to do that. For, us to, for them to telegraph the outcome. Um, you know, so conspicuously um, and, and repeatedly. So, but yeah, it's going to be Reigns. 
I mean, I just hope it's a good match. I think it will be. And I think they can tell a hell of a story. I think Reigns will sell massively for Logan Paul. And if they play this right and there's a Logan Paul heel turn, either after the match or in his next appearance on WWE TV, I think this will be remembered as a success. If he continues to flog this dead horse as a babyface, then Logan Paul's value to the company is going to diminish rapidly, you know, after this show. Well, we will see how it all plays out. Um, well, so that's all the time we've got for today. Um, we will be back on Tuesday with what's going down in the, on the main podcast feed uh, to talk about Crown Joe and talk about how it all went in the end. It's always good to get these Saudi shows out of the way. <laughs> then, then we can just kind of relax again. You know, it's like we don't need to. We don't want to feel icky all year. So yeah, exactly. It's kind of like going for your flu jab, isn't it, Kenny? <laughs> it's like going for an essential injection. You know, that's what one of these Saudi shows is akin, <laughs> akin to. <laughs> uh, well, listen. Um, if you want to join us on Patreon, get this a day early. Get what else is going down from Finn. We do retro pay per view reviews. We do Sandra and I do retro Raw and SmackDown reviews every week from twenty years ago. Um, Sandra and, and I review. Aren't we, aren't we reviewing? What we're, we're doing a review of that UK only rebellion two thousand two because Hanny Guttridge has asked me seventeen times, and it's the one of the worst shows of all time. It's the second last UK pay per view. I'm convinced that Rebellion two thousand two is what tanked the whole thing, but. Yeah. Um, Smackdown only people we are reviewing that next week I believe yes we are we're reviewing that next week but uh, you know Smackdown only pay-per-view no Undertaker rubbish but we'll be here to talk about it next week on Patreon Um, yeah we hope you check us out and InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is the place to go to uh, check out uh, you know back issues uh, order the issue 26 with John Mox on the cover and before you know it the Jim Cornette issue 27 will be available soon and I think you guys will get a kick out of the cover for that issue. Oh, uh, that cover sh- cover photo looks tremendous, doesn't it, Kenny? Yeah. If big, big, big Jim did a photo shoot for us, which, you know, to turn that around 72 hours is 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 no easy feat. But um, luckily he likes us, so he was happy to get his... <laughs> get his... Actually, when I spoke to him, he said, you do realise, Kenny, I'm going to have to have a shower and be in a suit by 9 a.m. for you. I said, well, at least you're not going to court. Um, so, but he was happy to do it. So We, we appreciate it, Jim. We appreciate your time. <laughs> I'm not sure if AEW is going to appreciate this interview. No, I don't, I don't know if they will. But then, you know, I think if you like Jim, you're going to get exactly what you want. And if you dislike Jim, you're going to continue to dislike him for exactly the reasons that you do. <laughs> Just dislike him even more. So, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a belter of an interview, so I've, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. So thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 